So the last thing I said before I hit play was, I just felt the show start in my mouth. So I think this is going to be a good one, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, oh, Janine. Man. Yeah. Um, should oh. we tell Julie about the little bonus episode that we recorded? <laughs> no, we shouldn't. I'm going to do the short version of this. Well, it's kind of like you already did. It's uh, just now, just now. It's it's a the, it's a it's a story for another time. It's okay. a longer a longer tale. Just know there is a secret bonus episode of Janine and I <laughs> recorded at like 10 p.m. on a Friday that will be re- <laughs> that um was we know how to commit to a bit. But the what I w- actually yeah. want to talk about is something that came out of this secret hidden bonus episode. Um which is that Janine saw Hamilton for the first time on Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I want to try the um, get Janine to cry by in, in two words or less challenge. Oh, God. Can we both try this, Julie? You get to try to make Janine cry in two words or less. I don't know. It's a Sunday. Yay. Uh, Sunday. I don't think I can. Yeah. Just give it a go. Do your worst. Come on, Julie. Oh, okay. President Trump. <laughs> <laughs> No, he he said he lost today on Twitter. So today is a laughing at Donald Trump day. Not Didn't a crying he say about he Donald said something Trump. like uh, the only reason he uh, Biden won, and it's like yeah. you mean he won? He won. He won. <laughs> say it again. Say it again, motherfucker. Say it again. Um, okay, that's you know that's a good effort. But again, I think really today one. we laugh at Donald Trump. Okay, but um, what are the two words you're here, gonna? Here's say what to I'm gonna try. <clears throat> The orphanage. Oh, God damn it. That was a really good song. <laughs> God, it was really... Fuck you. <laughs> Did it work? Yeah. God damn it. Uh, he teared up, you guys. Oh, welcome <sighs> to Sawston Austin, a Podlander Dreamcast <laughs> podcast, volume one, Imbibe and Prejudice, chapter one. Chapter one. BBC AE. PP nemesis, <laughs> which is what I've taken to calling it now. Mm-hmm. Um, conclusion chapter. Uh, we're do we're doing things a little bit of out of order on our end. It's all time travely, which is a thing that longtime listeners will be familiar with <laughs> um, due to like lost episodes and, and us being a mess generally. Um, uh, but we will after we record this one. Um, Julie and I will be recording a. a costumes only episode which is was originally just going to be for patreon folks but we're too excited about it it's going to be for everybody um so you'll hear that one first but we're recording this one now so julie i'd like to in advance congratulate you on all of the insight you offered on the costumes episode i was on fire you were you you were i wasn't there but like it was great what i was shocked by is how you managed to bring back the about Schmidt joke and put like a new level on it. Mm-hmm. That was great. Never doubt my ability with a callback. See, this is good. Listeners, what's happened is I've just, I've just put Julie in, in a little corner. <laughs> Nobody puts Julie in a corner, but me. I got N- the right now, bit to get out. Now she has to, <laughs> now she has to do an about Schmidt joke in the costumes episode because we haven't recorded it yet. Absolutely no problem. <laughs> is, this, is this now a call forward? Yeah, well, but in time travel, flip it, reverse it, rub it down. Oh no. Like Missy Elliott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one that was Belle Bib DeVoe. Now you know. Well, you were putting the thing down, flipping it and reversing it though. No, back it up, flip it, rub it down. Oh no, oh, oh no, no, I know. 
oh no, what I'm saying is apparently they're working from the same well. Yes, agreed. Yeah, directionally, frictionally. And turning it around and flipping it. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Before we start talking about BBC AEPP nemesis. um, (laughs) You really are high on our own shit. I love it. (laughs) I mean, just... It's It's good, I'm sorry. I cannot help but be drawn into the fictional world in which Andrew Davies <laughs> is pissed. <laughs> it's just, just grinds his teeth about Emma Thompson at night. Like there's, I just, it's too funny to me anyway. Um, before we do that, uh, yeah. I just want to say, uh, that I had a whole thing I wanted to talk to Julie about and I already forgotten it. This one's going to be wild guys. We were talking about what, when, who, how, how, why but okay. really why we're here to talk about bbc pp ae nemesis mm-hmm. um which i didn't laugh at this time just for janine uh and what i want to know most right well, now in this moment mm-hmm. is having janine completed your first mm. bbc ae pp nemesis experience a formative experience for both of us true yeah in our and youths a, a, apparently a lot of people yes didn't realize this uh you've had a, a week to reflect mm-hmm. so how do you feel uh forever changed i i've uh forever changed yeah in a you know a, a slight way uh What's interesting about this last week, as I've reflected on um, A&E's PP, Nemesis, um, is I've, I've, become, I've been using it as, I don't know, I, it's just hard for me to like process um, the story that uh, Lizzie goes through and decoupling it from the world she has to engage with. Like, I'm always, I'm like, I've been thinking a lot about how, um, you know, it's just fucking shitty to be a woman in that time. And I don't think that's really changed. <laughs> Still is. Yep. Um, so in a way it's like, it's, I guess maybe it's, it's um, giving me a literary example of the female experience as it is in the world today. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, you know, fucking Christ, man. The thirst. I think if we get a straight white dude to read a Jane Austen novel, like, I know Neil is going to read his novel for whichever one he participates in. Ooh, and this is an idea we haven't talked about on mic yet, but we're, we've, we're trying to figure out how we translate Dude Lander to the Sostin Austin aesthetic. And what we've landed on is getting some of the men in our life to agree to read the Austin novel of their choosing, and that's how we're going to mm-hmm. wrap things up. Mm-hmm. And I just anything that gets people who've never read Jane Austen before to actually read her words. A fucking bonus. We yeah, did it. Yeah, huge bonus. Mm-hmm. Because it's, uh, you know, it, it's our, like, it, it's our little political act, I think, Julie. I don't want to... Indeed. I don't want to... <laughs> Look get, what happened to Janine. Totally. I don't want to give me. us too much credit, and I don't want to make this sound like a bigger deal than it is, because it's not. Um, but I do think that... Change happens in big ways and small ways. And one of the small ways is if we can just um, radicalize (laughs) one man at a time to stop thinking that if there's a bonnet, he won't like it. (laughs) 
Um, exactly. That, that You know what? That would be a legacy I would be proud to leave behind. Because Don't be that, afraid of period costumes, gentlemen. Well, and people take... People take even classics that feel girly way less seriously yes. than they take classics yes. who don't, which is not, I mean, I'm sure that there are all kinds of fucking chads out there who don't actually know what stories the Bronte sisters wrote, as an example, or like mm-hmm. to whom they owe the tradition of literary horror and all of these things, right? There are a lot of really important women in literature in every era, uh, despite the fact that everyone's like, woman. Um, or bonnets. Oh, I can't watch Ugh. this. Uh, but <laughs> or, they or endure it's, it's, anyway, and yeah. the more that we can get people like Janine here and Neil and Tom and our other dude friends who are other dude friends who might not otherwise turn to Jane Austen mm-hmm. to sort of jump in and enjoy what it is that I'm, I'd be I'm into proud it, of that. I feel like that's a thing I could check off my life to do list. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen a bunch of shit going around Twitter today of people being like, this was a rough year, but it brought great things too. What did you accomplish this year? First of all, it's November. And second, the thing <laughs> I accomplished this year was not losing my goddamn mind. Like you know that what? is that's a lot. That is what I accomplished this year. And it at first I was like, this feels so shitty. How is it that people pulled off so many amazing things in this year where I just was like, ooh, victory, I got out of bed this morning. Which is real. I mean, that's a real thing, and it was real for a lot of people, and it's real for more people than you know, because a lot of people, like me, are very good at faking it. So there are lots of people out there who are definitely having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning who seem a-okay. But if a thing I accomplished this year is I got several dudes to reconsider their opinions on Jane Austen formed off of... Nothing. Formed off, formed off of the patriarchy, right? Formed Fine. off of yes. these I'll patriarchal, this patriarchal bullshit about what's going to appeal to who. It's the same argument. It's the thing that drove me crazy about um, the 2016 Ghostbusters, which is a deeply flawed movie, obviously, but is also a really fun movie that I saw yes. four times. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it was such a big deal and that people were so pissed about it is that it was Ghostbusters with women because it was a completely average comedy. Those happen all the time. <laughs> like the, there are average comedies everywhere and we lionize some of them right like there are movies that we talk about like they are classics and they're mediocre i anything by adam sandler yes i was about to say i love (laughs) billy madison i and i love happy gilmore yes i I love that movie herbie halloween the most recent no i'm not gonna watch that oh Uh, i watched it everything halloween how was it you know what it was better than i thought it was gonna be (laughs) I, it felt a little bit like a um, uh, a Stephen King alternate reality where all the characters that you recognize are there, but none of them are actually the characters you know them for. That's what the movie felt like. Yeah, I because it's that. all the same people all the time. Well, it's because well, he has adopted the Ocean's Eleven approach exactly. to filmmaking. Yeah, he just picks people he likes who have time. They all go get drunk and stoned a lot and make a movie. And you know what? respect but i wish the movies were better yeah well and it's not and it's not just that there's the same actors it's also that like some of them are playing very similar characters to other things they've done you know when steve buscemi shows up in an adam sandler movie you know exactly (laughs) what you're gonna get yeah you're gonna like normal crazy motherfucker yes (laughs) you know what the fact 
Adam Sandler is one of those famous people that I have very complicated feelings about because he is a Republican um. and he's made some shitty movies that are super problematic, even though that word feels really gross lately um, because it's been co-opted. Anyway, um, that feels um, super icky. Uh, mm-hmm. Some stories about people with disabilities, certainly his approach to female characters often, like there are some things that feel gross. However, um, he has a long list of people who would clearly drop just about everything to make a terrible movie with him. Yep. And that I felt like, like Ben Stiller is mostly just working as a director and a producer now. He is like, he has pivoted to serious business Ben Stiller time. He's in Hubie Halloween. (laughs) Steve Buscemi, he's one of those people who eventually were probably going to be thinking like, ooh, is he going to EGOT? Is he going to EGOT? Also, you know, volunteer firefighter Steve Buscemi, who doesn't like it when people talk about that. Steve Buscemi will do is in fucking Hubie Halloween. Steve Buscemi, who can do anything he wants, is in Hubie Halloween. They just like to party. That's and all it is, is a rich man throwing a party and they well, tape it. But also, Drew Barrymore would, would walk into the sun for Adam Sandler. Right? Or like Jennifer Aniston who does not strike me as being somebody who maybe necessarily has the best sense of humor in the world, th- thanked Adam Sandler. In, he, she's thanked him in multiple award speeches. That's crazy. Like, I know, that's crazy. Anyway, this is not an Adam Sandler podcast. But my point is, going back to Jane Austen, oh my God. Honestly, Adam Sandler should be honored that he's coming up in this conversation. He this conversation really Jane should Austen. be. Um, also, if you haven't seen Uncut Gems, he's so fucking good in it. And cool. now that it's not the election anymore, maybe, maybe it, I'm safe to recommend the most anxiety-inducing movie I've ever seen. No, to thanks, people. I'm not, I'm not going to watch it. Eventually, in time. Anyway. <laughs> When something is a mediocre comedy and it's made by a man with an audience that will probably largely include men, that's a comedy for everyone. When a comedy that's for everyone happens to just star four women, then it's a comedy for women. I had to push some very intelligent men like progressive thoughtful men i had to push them really hard to see bridesmaids i had to push women to see bridesmaids because they assumed that it was like a girly rom-com that was not going to be for them that movie that's one of the best comedies of the last 20 years anyway jane austen also falls under that umbrella which is insane but it's a Mm -hmm. combination of like oh bonnets i won't like it and oh well you know it's a romance i'm not gonna like that and it's so much more it's like excellent social commentary scathing scathing satire um yes there is romance but that's not the only in fact the romance isn't the reason i love to read jane austen i love to watch jane austen romance i love to read Jane Austen, because she's a really fucking good writer, I wouldn't care what genre she was writing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, for sure. Here's my next question, and this is related. Janine, hmm. what are the odds that Julie and I could talk you into reading Pride and Prejudice? Ninety-eight percent. Sweet. I think you should. I think yeah. that's a thing. We're gonna be in, and you have a while, a while, because we're gonna be in Pride and Prejudice for quite a while, even if we cut our. Um, our Pride and Prejudice chapter in half, right? Because yeah. there are so many, it is by far the most adapted Jane Austen story. So there are so many adaptations of it. We're going to be doing this a long time. So there's no rush. You don't have to read it this second. But I do think 
that this idea of Julie's that we convince the men in our lives to read and Austin. Yeah. Um, and also other men in the critical sphere, men who are listeners. If you're a listener and you're, you identify as a man and you've never read Jane, Jane Austen, please send me a message. Maybe we can talk. Um, anyway, point being, can we issue you this dare? Uh, yeah, you don't have to convince me or dare me. Like, I'm definitely in. Great. Like, I've like, I mean, you know, you talk about people having a hard time getting up in the morning. Today was one of those days for me. Mm. Uh, as an aside, I've made pesto from the basil that I grow in my garden oh, nice. uh, with the leftover walnuts I had, and I happened to have everything. So I made, and then I put chicken inside of my uh, pasta that I made with it. Every other than the pasta, everything I fucking made on my own. Oh, gee, and I didn't raise you the chicken. So glad that you spent some time learning to cook this year. Fucking a, yeah, man. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. Is I'm now starting to experiment, and uh, I can feel the end of my year. Mm-hmm. Um, getting a little empty. So this is one of those things that I would like to dedicate some time to. Great. Yeah, well, man. would you be oh. incentivized by a book club? I will happily reread it with you. Um, I just restarted it two nights ago, so great. I can pause Ooh. and wait for you guys to catch up. Uh, so <laughs> me and book clubs, apparently from uh, my experience with Brooke reading um, The Shining and then Dr. Sleep is you give me a book, if I get into it, I'll probably just read ahead of everybody and just like, Oh, well, but we've already read it, so that's fine. That's okay. Okay. Well, yeah, then sure. Why not? Great. So, so well, I'll reread it. Julie's already rereading it. You Because read I it. finished the entire Bronte Sisters collection, um, too. Janine, there are, you can get it for free online, all kinds of places, um, like as an ebook. Oh, good. Um, oh, good. Otherwise, I'm, I'm certain the library has a copy, sure, many yeah. copies, probably. Um, great. So then we'll do that. Um, so maybe yeah. it'll be a Patreon thing. Maybe it won't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's great. Janine, you're going to like it so much. It's got one of the most famous first sentences of in all of literature, which I think we probably tried to get you to guess during your Maria Solved. Yeah, you did. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't fucking know. But it's I, in, mean, I mean, I did know. It's in the miniseries, and maybe this is a good place to start because oh, we can bring use this in. as a jumping off point to talk about the adaptation. Because that, by the way, is what we're talking about today, where we're talking about the whole BBC AEPP nemesis series in our experience. So... Um, that sentence is, it is a truth universally, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a man in possession of a large fortune must be in want of a wife. Um, this is a very, very famous first sentence. Uh, you'll, now you're going to see it everywhere, Janine, because people use it as jokes a lot. You'll see it as a truth, truth universally acknowledged that blah, 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 blah. Um, and then sometimes must be in want of a blah. Anyway, um, and Lizzie gets that line, which is something I really like about this adaptation, is the miniseries opens with Mrs. Bennett cackling and hooting about Mr. Bingley moving to town and how big his fortune is, and maybe he'll marry one of the girls, and they have that whole bantery argument Mr. and Mrs. Bennett do. And in the middle of that, Lizzie says, for a man in possession of a large fortune must be in want of a wife. And I love it so much. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about this more from your perspective, Janine, once you've read it. But Julie, how do you feel um, the nemesis of Emma Thompson does in adapting this book that we both love so much? I Well, I mean, it's my PP. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I First of all, I love that it's a miniseries, so we get to get a little bit deeper into a whole bunch of stuff than we would in just a two-hour film yeah. or, you know. So you get to get, you get a little bit more hot piss, as it were. <laughs> Uh, I so, forgot we called it that. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got So there's more hot piss in this adaptation than there are in others, just simply because it's longer. So that's a bonus for me. Mm-hmm. I will say that when I started rereading the novel the other night, something jumped out at me that I had never noticed before. And that is, is that, and I don't think, I'm sure it's somewhere in the nemesis adaptation that we would be able to figure this out if we went back. Bingley's family is new money. There's this whole conversation that they have about him where his money came from trade. Oh, right. Oh, right. So that means that the Bingley sisters, those asshole bitches. Giant hypocrites. Are nouveau riche. And they are looking that their whole gambit is to try to get him an estate. Like as fast as possible. Like let's get him owning land immediately so a lot of their uh motivation is like don't rent out this fucking country house let's get an estate and like i never i never put that together before so that was a surprise but that's from the book Mm -hmm. i don't know Um, well i I think but i think that you're making a good point because one of the things i really admire about this one is um and this is something you can for sure chime in on janine is they do a really good job of underlining the financial aspect of it um, Mm. in a way that not all Pride and Prejudice adaptations do. Sometimes it feels a little bit like... uh like slightly richer Cinderella, right? Where she's the poor little dust mouse. And this isn't that. This is... um, It's a result of character flaws. (laughs) Like serious character flaws. And also a broken system. Mm -hmm. um, Which I just really love. Do Do you feel like the sort of social critique worked for, uh, for, for both of you and Janine, especially given your, your um, eat the rich proclivities, which Julie and I obviously share, but you know, we already love this book. Um, <laughs> did you feel like, like Austin was, <laughs> um, was tackling the question of money as a corrupting force appropriately? Well, that with that particular question, uh, I, 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 I don't nec- it's not that money is necessarily a corrupting force it's that it al- it allows for I I I, I uh, that particular question I like would, I'd like to adjust is like she is addressing how people of extreme means are completely oblivious to people who are not um and she does that in a really good way um and that <laughs> um that there is a desperation to some people without the means and uh that and addressing that and how it kind of um manifests in the different ways from you know mrs bennett to wickham um to darcy trying to deal with the fact that he is he is the means of everybody mm-hmm. um thought that was uh, like it came it was very apparent to me um and made it because uh, i've seen the 2005 adaptation uh with karen knightley and I, my, and in 2005, because I had a, I was young and I had a crush on Keira Knightley, sue me. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember having that same kind of reaction at the time, because uh, it didn't feel like I was having commentary on the society they were in. It was more just like, this is what's going on. There is this magical Cinderella thing going on. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I liked it. Julie, what about you? Same. I think it is, once again, back to the length of it. They just have the, um, the time to really show you those things a little bit more deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I understand the uh, impetus to just turn it into a two-hour movie and, as Janine so rightly says, kind of make it a Cinderella thing. I understand the impetus, but I think that that takes away a lot of what makes the book and just Jane Austen's writing in general so awesome is that it's about all of it. And it's very difficult to show that when you have a two-hour movie. So I think, yes. And this time through, actually, so... I never remember how many times I've seen this whole series. I think it's at least three, maybe four now. Un- unsure. Um, this time it really jumped out to me about the Bennett's financial situation. Like dad with the blanket by the fireside because they don't have enough coal or whatever, like drinking and like hiding and everybody. That jumped out to me way more this time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think this series probably will do the best at addressing those issues out of anything we watch, is my guess. Hmm. Oh, that's I, a- think, I think that that's probably likely. There, I mean, granted, there are a bunch of, of PP adaptations I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there Janine's so right, though. I think they're just going to focus on the, the romance, or the, mm-hmm. like the uh, aspirational Cinderella story kind of part of it, as opposed to the like. Yeah, well, Death Comes to Pemberley does a pretty good job with some of the money stuff. That's um, true, because that's that's a continuation of that story, right? Yes, that's so, a yeah. mini series mm-hmm. adaptation of a novel of um, mm. a novel that someone else wrote. Um, that I am, I'm very into that mini series, but they, but that mini series does a better job with some of these desperate characters, right? Like the best. So we are going to have a knockdown drag out at the end of our uh, <laughs> Imbibe and Prejudice volume um, when we debate who is the best of everybody. I think we've mentioned this before. Um, but I, the one, the hill I will die on is that the best Lydia, hands down, no contest, not even close, is Death Comes to Pemberley. Okay. Not even close. Um, it's Jana Coleman from Doctor Who, and this is not because I'm a Doctor Who fan, even though she is very good. It's like they just it's the most interesting that character ever is. And you know, I love Lydia. Yeah. If only for the jokes, like I just, mm-hmm. I love Lydia. Um, but death comes to Pemberley is the best Lydia. Uh, and it's because of acknowledging the financial stuff. Yeah. Um, the thing I noticed re- re- with regard to the money this time, Julie, and you talking about, um, the blanket and, um, being really, we've talked about being aware of how much food is on the table. The mm-hmm. thing that struck me is how much more lavish, Lydia's costumes are once she gets invited to Brighton. So like you can see her mother just throwing money at these costumes because she's better dressed than anybody else in the house. I mean, that's probably not the right way to put this. She's more lavishly dressed than anyone else in the house. Um, But you know, you can't buy taste. (laughs) Um, So, you, you just see first when she's going to Brighton and when we see her in Brighton that they were willing, knowing the terrible situation the family is in and what eventually is going to happen to the the young women in this family if it's not um, corrected somehow, um, how infuriating it would be to see so much money in her clothes. But then especially for Lizzie specifically, when they come back after they're hitched, yeah. And they both are like, hey, I'm Stalin. Like, nice, nice costumes. Money. Just screaming money. Think about how infuriating that must be. Ugh. Oh. Ugh. I would just, I think my head would explode. Especially, yeah, for Lizzie, you're right, because she knows 
all of it. Yeah. Like, well, none especially of the once of she finds out, right? Oh, like even woof. before then, knowing that there's something that's not right, thinking that it's her uncle Gardner and like what it must mean to the gardeners when she thinks it's still their money to see them parading around in these clothes when they gave up so much just to try to attempt to salvage her reputation, like a teeny tiny corner of her reputation. Um, it just, that was the thing that struck me full in the face this time, how infuriating that must be. Um, which is great costume design. Obviously we'll probably talk about that more in the, mm-hmm. in the episode of, we already recorded. <laughs> there's a lot of nuance to that too. Cause I, I gotta tell you, I, it, um, Thinking back on it as you describe it, I, I I see what you're talking about. Like, yeah, they were they were lavish when they showed up after having all their bills paid by what seems to be uh, Mr. Gardner. Um, I didn't pick up on that though. Like the nuance mm-hmm. of recognizing that those costumes, or those clothes, the clothes that they're wearing are newer or fancier. Um, I think that also maybe speaks to the time period of just like and just the society they live in of how everyone is so very aware of what everything costs and like Mm -hmm. having that conversation all the time, whether it's parody or actually that, that was the reality at the time. Uh, Either way, just the fact that that is going on. I I think that I miss the nuance on that because I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not paying attention in that way. I think Mrs. Bennett is the best at this in this book because everything to her is about money. Yeah. Everything she talks about is about how to stay safe. And and you know what? To be fair to Mrs. Bennett, it is because there were so few roads for women to be actually supported. Mm-hmm. So she was only obsessing about things that worried her and things she knew about not having money. So she's obsessed. She's always talking about how it's five thousand a year, ten thousand a year, whatever. And so well, you can- and, and she's also delusional. Oh, of course. Right. Like zero self-awareness. So you combine those things and like she is very aware of exactly how much the lace on Mrs. Hurst's gown costs because she can look at the lace and tell how nice it is and then probably know what um, craftsperson she got it from and how much it cost a yard and how hard it was to work with and how delicate it is and how often it has to be replaced. She would know all of that stuff. But she would also think, like, that would look very well on me. I would look. And that's totally within reach for us. Absolutely. When my mm. daughter is the queen of England, yeah. we're going, you know what I mean? It's just, it's the, she's so aware of some things and so oblivious about others. I think that's, an, like, an incredibly astute observation, Julie. Mm-hmm. Both of you. Like, that's a really, really good point. Um, but Aaron, to your point. Sorry, who's Aaron? Janine, to your point. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, what you're describing is is the effect of great design, right? Mm-hmm. Great costume design, great production design. Sometimes you notice it, um, but when it's really good, you probably don't. Maybe you think about it after the fact. Maybe if it's like intended, if it, like the wedding dress in Outlander. If mm-hmm. the intent of the costume is to dazzle, then you will probably notice how dazzling it is. But... Terry Dressbach isn't a great costume designer because of that wedding dress, even though it's really great. She's a great costume designer because it wasn't until we really started looking at Claire's designs in season two that we realized that all of the influences are contemporary tailoring because she was still making her look like a time traveler. You might not watch and think that dress really reflects the new look. That one really looks like, you know, Dior. That one looks like Oscar de la Renta, whatever. Um, you wouldn't think that because you're just thinking, oh, well, she looks different from everyone else. Yeah. 
you know well, I, like totally. that's the mark of great design and um, i yeah and i think the 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 challenge of that especially when trying to get uh you know if we're going to reach our 2020 goal of convincing men to watch this and be more <laughs> you know uh you got one so i guess that's that we met the goal success uh, yeah um but the, the i don't there's no solve to this but it's it is it's interesting to note that like probably that's where some of the the where the translation is getting lost is that in some of these very fine details for a very well designed show um you just don't pick up on it because yeah they're 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 subliminal but if you don't have context for those costumes you don't have context for how those are different and what that takes then you don't you don't really pick up on the message that it's sending and mm -hmm. i think you know the crit the critique that we do and like going through the going through these shows that i would never watch uh, like uh, on my own impetus uh, at least previously uh i think i'd probably do some of this now on my own um you know listening to the critique you, you you probably wouldn't be listening to the critique so you wouldn't catch those those pieces i, I don't, i'm not really making it really well see no i understand exactly what you're saying because yeah. it's the way i felt about the kind of little hints about their financial situation yeah like i never picked up on those before this time so i think it might just be that it's there and then when you're ready or you're thinking about something in that moment you might be able to pick something sure. from it well and it's in the nature of art is that it's meant to linger right yeah. and mm -hmm. hold up on repeat viewings absolutely but also just it it's not a failure on your part or the designer's part if you're looking at a scene from Dunkirk and you don't notice this one little detail on the costume and the kid in the corner and that makes him look like he probably had to cobble together his unicorn form from a bunch of people who died right like that's the kind of design design thing that I might notice because I look for these things really intently but that doesn't mean that you weren't affected by it and it doesn't mean True. you won't be affected by it because maybe you're watching and there's something about that kid in the corner that you find really unsettling and you're not sure what it is, but it sticks with you. Mm. Or maybe five years from now, you're watching a different movie about <laughs> Dunkirk because there's, there are a lot of movies about Dunkirk. Um, and you remember that scene and you remember that kid in the corner mm. and maybe thinking about it critically, maybe not. Um, but the, I mean, I think that what you're describing is like why art is valuable. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? It's uh, just, ugh, it's I'll so leave, cool. I'll equate it to my experience with recommending The Expanse to people. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But here's the caveat. I love this show because I watched this futuristic space show that does a great job of world building and how the economies work of having different colonies on Mars and the asteroid belt and Earth. But I'm also paying attention to a lot of details that I don't think other people are paying attention to, right? Sure. Like uh, how their how gravity works and how the the system designs for these ships are happening, or like they're dealing with emergency airlocks and you know blah blah blah. But that's because I have an extreme interest uh, and, and and I'm very motivated to pay attention to all those things. And on first watch, if that's not really where your heart's at or your brain's at, I've had a few people tell me, Aaron, that show's not that great. Like, <laughs> well, oh, it's, like, that oh, show's not for everybody, but I sorry. promise you, it's not just you, Janine. It's not just that it very specifically appeals to one part of your brain. Uh, I promise. I promise. <laughs> I know lots of people who love The Expanse. I know several people who would throw themselves into, I don't know why I'm having people throw themselves into the sun today. I don't know where that came from, but I know people who would throw themselves into the sun for The Expanse, so you're not alone. Um, but also, like, I think that's really cool. Like, I love, we've talked many times, many times about my 
unironic love for speed, one of the greats of American cinema. It's true. However, I've never been a bus driver. Can you imagine a bus driver who loves speed? (laughs) Oh, man. How nice that must be for them to have. That must be really hard, though. Like. If you're a bus driver, you're going to be calling bullshit at everything, right? That's yeah. the whole. That's the whole point. You're well, like, sure, I can't but maybe that, you take, or maybe not. Turn that tight. Maybe it's tip. very accurate. Yeah, maybe they're like, maybe you know true. what? I could jump that. You know, what? like it's like um, <laughs> the bold type is this very fun show that I really like watching, and part of the reason I like watching it so much is it's very clear no one on that writing staff has ever been anywhere near a publication like the one. <laughs> like things happen and you're like that's not how this works that's not how any of this works and that's part of why i love it so much it's Mm -hmm. just absurd um or like the way that social people who work in social media are responding to that netflix show emily in paris i'm sorry emily in paris is that really the way it's supposed to be apparently that's what a net that was a big story this week apparently a netflix social account was like i'm not gonna say i have i have a friend in in paris Paris who uh runs a tour uh guide company uh like a local paris uh he spent the past month or since that movie came out his social media account is just basically him going to all the places emily goes and then talking about how kind of shitty that movie is and like it's dealing with Oh, it got renewed. Oh, They're yeah. bringing it back. Season and two. you know what? They canceled Glow for this shit. Yeah, and you I gotta, just, I can't. I'm a flip a table. <laughs> Y'all have to stop hate watching things, um, oh, especially seriously. from Netflix. Seriously, they take that data and they think it means something yeah, and then they turn it into more shit. That's why we've gotten multiple Jesus. seasons of Insatiable, one of the worst television shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but they canceled one day at a time. <laughs> which might still live on it might be it might wind up on the schedule at cbs listen can people start hate we'll watching dark crystal i'd really like a second season of that i really like canceled it. sorry buddy start hate watching it again those numbers go up <laughs> get Don't on it, back. it somebody on. hate watch the dark crystal <laughs> <laughs> could love somebody could somebody please start hate watching the west wing for me i'd really like yes! to go back to 2005 i'll do that just don't don't do that um we don't, aaron sorkin doesn't need doesn't need that we That's and fair. we don't need that for Aaron Sorkin. No, Let the we don't stay dead. Um, although that special they did for the election is very, very good. If you're a West Wing fan, it's amazing. Honestly, even if you're not, like it's just really well done. It's didn't beautifully they do li- directed. They did a live stage reading or something, didn't they? Yeah, they did it. I promise we're gonna get back to P P B B A E C D B E Nemesis in just a Nemesis. Nemesis. Psst, Julie, Julie. Yeah, that's the Nemesis. <laughs> Um, I promise we're going to be back in just a second, but uh, fuck, what were we talking about? Oh, fucking West Wing live read. Oh, yes. So they did the um, that special on HBO Max for When We All Vote, and it's all just a like, hey, Bradley Whitford does this intro where he's like, hey, um, are we useful in this situation? No, no, absolutely not. But they'll point cameras at us. Um, so what we're going to do is do this episode that we've already done once, you know, back when it aired originally, we're going to do it, uh, maintaining appropriate COVID protocols. And we're going to do the thing. Um, and then in between in all the act breaks, we're just going to talk about stuff you should know about the election. And then they talk about like, that's awesome. Like how long the election's going to take and why the electoral college is flawed and like vote by mail and, um, debunking myths about it's, all of the, and all of that stuff is fine. It's like, whatever. It's fine. It's a means to an end. But the actual reading is directed by somebody who directed a lot of the West Wing. 
um, a lot of it is in like the most beautiful black and white. And it's on a stage of a big empty theater with just the suggestion of the set, but like all the details that matter. Like Leo's desk has the Bartlett for America napkin on it, shit like that. Mm-hmm. And the it's just, be- it's like watching a play. It's like watching the most stripped down version and they're all playing their characters as if they're the age they are now. There's no like pretending to go back in time. It really is beautiful. It's worth your time. And just if you don't want to hear about the election now, why on earth would you not want to hear about it now? Um, just fast forward through that stuff and just watch like, like Martin Sheen just doing this teeny tiny subtle acting and Bartletting all over the place. Ooh, but mm. like, but like so subtle because it's just different now, you know, yeah. like he never does the jacket thing. It's all very, and Sterling K Brown plays Leo. He's the person that they brought in nice to play, to take over for John Spencer. And he's great. Um, Whitford's great. Oh my God. When Richard Schiff showed up, I almost burst into <gasps> tears. I miss Toby Ziegler so much. Did he do the shift lips? Did he do the oh, fish yeah. thing? Oh, of course. And he did. He he's a he does a lot of fist gestures. He did. Oh, really good. Anyway, I, I heard people got uh they they all agreed to it, thinking it was a stage reading, not a kind of up on its feet play. Which oh, they have scripts. Fun. Well, yeah, but like they're walking mm-hmm. around and doing shit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not. Apparently, one of the actors said they weren't prepared for that. They didn't know that this was going to happen, and it was exciting that they did it. Oh, cool. They liked it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, PP Nemesis. PP Nemesis. Nemesis. Um, are there other adaptation things you want to talk about, Julie? That was the only one that jumped out to me because I actually started rereading the novel the other night. I'm sure I will have others as I continue to reread, but mm-hmm. just knowing that the text itself is so rich and deep of all these things we're talking about, just dropped in very subtly, everything. The this particular adaptation, I think, is probably the one that comes closest to the actual book, just because it has the time to develop them. Yeah. I feel that way about um, Charlotte, I think. I think Sh- Charlotte's story is really well handled in the miniseries mm-hmm. um, because there's more time. You know, I, in the movies, I think it's too easy to either make Charlotte seem like a victim or make her seem... Maybe a villain, Greedy, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this sort of lets it be complicated. That The line when she says, and this is a line directly from the novel that is often in this scene in adaptations. But when she says, I'm not romantic, you know, I never was. First of all, that actress is great. It's such a good line delivery because it's like, it's like she's breaking it to her gently. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's just a perspective that she can't understand. Like she knows Lizzie's not going to be able to understand her because she sees love and marriage as one thing and she sees it and Charlotte herself sees it as something else. I just, mm-hmm. I think um, when you have that time for hot pests, um, <laughs> that's, that's what you get. You get yeah. m- like more subtlety, more nuance, more layers, which is not to say there aren't great film adaptations of PP. There are, but um, but I love that we get this extra time. Yes. Um, as far as any other things about adaptation, I'll probably just like post things or send you guys texts as I'm reading the book and be like, here's something I did not even know. Do you remember this from the show? Because as the thing that I mentioned earlier about Bingley's family actually being new money, mm-hmm. 
I would I would go back and rewatch that shit right now just to see if I could tell from the Bingley sisters and what they did. Hmm. Well, I feel like we should have been able to tell from their clothes. I've read this book so many times and I completely I think, forgot that this time around. I do think there's a little bit of it because specifically Caroline's Oh costumes. no, we're saying the same thing. I'm saying yeah. we should have noticed because of their costumes. Exactly. Um, because they're so loud. Exactly. That one that she has with the arrows, yes. that one in particular. Ooh, but stood also out to the me. orange. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the turban. The, the, oh, the turban the that her, oh, Mrs. Yeah. Hurst wears. Yeah. Her madam drag. We should have, we definitely should have known. <laughs> also, you know what, you know what should have, should have told us? When they laugh about Mr. Lord, Lu- about Lord Lucas volunteering to introduce them at St. James's. Because nobody is snobbier about a striving social climber than another striving social climber. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? Like, yep. that, that is so desperate, says the person who is behaving very desperately, is a thing you see everywhere all the time, all over the internet. It's, uh, you know, one of the main modes of operation of the current president of the United States. Mm-hmm. The lame duck president. I can't wait for you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really bad that he's the lame duck president because he really should just be like, hey, do you want to take over early? I'm going to go because um, things are really bad. We need an actual person in charge. But still, eventually. Think about GTFO. all the golfing you could do, bro. Yeah, you can we'll golf see. all the time we'll and see. no one will give a fuck. Anyway, um, <laughs> but that's something that he does a lot, right? There's mm-hmm. this um, like, I see a thing in, that, exists within I'm guilty me, of so right. i'm gonna project it outward yeah um and so when lord lucas is just trying too hard their response is like that is so tacky and then they could go on their merry try hard and way. be tacky yeah and be incredibly <laughs> yeah. tacky yeah yeah <laughs> what which is a lot like lizzie accusing mr darcy of pride and prejudice while possessing both herself what Boom. it's like a theme Boom! Theme alert. All right, how uh, let's do let's do MVPs because I feel like this is going to be a, a debate. Well, we can each pick one because we all experience this fully. There's no reason to not give Janine a mic. Of course not. Uh, no, not this time. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, choose your fighter. Who do you think is the best performance in BBC PPAE? And then we'll have a little three way debate. I bet we're all going to say the same thing. What if I count down from three and then we all say our oh, choice? Give me a second. Uh, okay. I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to count down. It's going to be. Hold on. We're going to okay. say the character name? We got to. Yeah. Say the character say the name. Say the character and name. And then we'll talk about the actor. Okay. Give me one second. It's, oh, my God. I mean, I didn't. I hadn't chosen. I was going to pick whatever you guys didn't pick. Like, I was thinking very hard about... But I about, think it's more interesting if we no, flop I agree. it out at the I same agree. time. But, I, but I'm, I'm on a fence. I just need to wobble oh. for a second. Yeah, wobble, me too. Wobble, 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 <laughs> wobble, 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 wobble. Oh, man, I'm surprised. Okay. okay. I know who mine is. All right. Okay, I, I, so it's one, two, three, say it. Yes. Okay, you guys ready? And we're saying the yeah. character, right? Yes, say the character. Okay. One, two, three. Lizzie, Lizzie Bennett. Bennett. Did we all say the same thing? Yes, we I did. Said Miss, I said Mrs. Bennett, actually. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, only because she acts as such a great foil to everything that makes Lizzie, and Lizzie obviously goes through a journey. Oh, you know <laughs> like, what, Janine? She takes actually, 
<laughs> Fuck. We had we had the blueprint. We had the blueprint right before us, and we didn't take it. Yeah. There should we obviously need to do like a primary character, like top tier, oh, which sure. is basically just Lizzie and Darcy, yeah. and then like a supporting tier. Sure. Because I wanted I want to have that debate because I think that's a really interesting pick. But I wouldn't put Mrs. Bennett up against Lizzie. I would put Mrs. Bennett up against, you know, late your Lady Catherine's of De Burr, et yeah. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um so, so of Lizzie will, now if you're choosing between Lizzie and Darcy, who do well, you fucking choose? Fucking Lizzie. Okay. Lizzie. Jeez. Yeah, you're right. We all would we all, the Bennett. I thought <laughs> I really I really thought that you were both gonna say Darcy. No way, no. man. Lizzie, dude, Mm-mm. for life. Darcy, I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand the thirst that Colin Firth brings. Um, he is scrumptious uh, from this straight man's perspective. I, like, I, want, I want him to hug me. Uh, <laughs> but He'd be very tall. You'd be coming in probably at like... Listen, I'm 5'8". Adam that happens, Apple range. That happens okay with all it? the time. Uh, and I like I'm it. I'm great with that. Um, yeah, but no, dude. Like, Lizzie's the one who fucking... She, like she went through all the she has the journey darcy's just kind of there brooding all the time and that's tough to do in the nuance but man i i like lizzie's journey better i think darcy has a little bit more than that but even still with what he does have it's not nearly the same story yeah. or the same stakes mm-hmm. and he spends the first at least the first half of the book being kind of like Oh, but bag. we're not talking about the book. We're talking oh, about the miniseries. In the miniseries, he does spend at least a couple of episodes being a dick bag. So you have you have to warm up to him slowly. Whereas with Lizzie, right away, you're like, "This is my gal, ride mm-hmm. or die. We're together. She's smart. She's funny. She's trapped in a time when she's not valued. Those things aren't valued in a woman. She's like trying to make her way in life. It's just more engaging, and uh, there's more to it, in my opinion. I mean, I agree, but maybe maybe the an interesting window for this would be to talk about why it was that I was waffling and why it is that I thought you were both going to say Darcy. And the reason I think it matters is the best performance overall is Jennifer Ely. I think indisputably. Um, yeah, she's incredible. And Lizzie is obviously our point of view character. We experience the story through her eyes. That's a huge deal. Um, However, the reason that this miniseries lingers the way that it does is Colin Firth. And it's you're not wrong. But and it's not just the thirst thing, right? Like it's not just the wet sure. It's No, but it's it's the thirst is is much more esoteric than the just him coming out of a pond later. Yes. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's (laughs) it's the it's one of the great if you were gonna (laughs) if you were gonna Oh my god! I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what you're gonna fucking say. <laughs> if you were gonna spring a tent, pop a tent, pop a tent with um, uh, it's it was an unintentional dirty joke, and then it just made me giggle because I really am saying like tent pole. I wanted to anyway. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you were to um, construct a tower, uh, nope, doesn't nope. matter. It's if you put all now. of the if you put all of the great. <laughs> Like um, formative rom-com performances, like the the paragon of each sort in a room. Um, it would be like the awkward, cute guy and the like Lloyd Dobler. Yes, totally. And or um, the like the Heathcliff, the the tortured, oh, brooding, etc. You'd have all these archetypes. 
bunch of archetypes, and then one of them would just be Mr. Darcy. Um, and we will have the great Darcy debate, who is the best Darcy, but the Darcy that would be up there would probably be Colin Firth's Darcy, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's... In my mind. Def- even if it's not your personal favorite, even if, and even if we were to, and as we will, debate all the finer points of some truly great performances, some of the best actors who've ever lived have played this part. Um, even if you were to sort of discount all of that, it, it's just so, um, it's like, it's the same, it's, it's a perfect marriage of the person and the role. And so they kind of bleed. It's like a, I don't, he's very good. And to me, he will always be Mr. Darcy. And he's the, the template. Like he is the yardstick against which not only all other Mr. Darcy's are measured, but, all sort of romantic heroes of a very particular kind, which is like start off not liking you. Yes, it's now I like enemies you. to lovers, which is obviously yes. a very popular trope in romance. Um, it's also like misinterpreted. Like he really he is a good man, and there are a bunch of very valid reasons why you think he's not. That's all over romance. Um, and rom-coms, right? Like a pretty safe bet at the beginning of any rom-com is to see who somebody's enemy is, um, and then you'll they know don't fuck. where it's where it's headed, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so that being said, I think the best performance in the miniseries is Jennifer Ely's. I think Lizzie is the most important character in the miniseries, and I think in spite of that, the thing that people remember is Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy. Yes. Yeah. And they're both iconic for me. Like I am, you, you know me, I'm a bisexual nightgown. Like I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm both baby. And, and they, they were both very, they both worked me over real good. I mm-hmm. just, that couple can get it. Yeah. Um, but only one of them has a statue coming out of a pond. <laughs> You know what I mean? Have you seen it? You must have seen that by this point, Janine. Yes, I've seen it, and it's so bad. You haven't? No. Oh, God. Oh, Janine, just do me a favor. Julie and I are going to watch you, and everyone else is going to listen. Google Colin Firth Darcy statue. Colin Firth Darcy. It's um, comically bad, though. Like, it's one of those art restoration things where they just fuck it up completely beyond recognition, and everybody's like, nailed it. You look at it. What the fuck? You know what? You're welcome. That made your day better. What the fuck? I'm putting this on my full screen. Yep. What that made your day better. But in the fuck is this? Janine, make it your desktop background challenge. <laughs> I got. What the fuck? Holy mm-hmm. twelve foot sculpture. Yeah. Look how bad it is. But mm. think how, how big that thing's is. wang is. <laughs> Can you imagine? I. What was Colin Firth's reaction to this? I'm going <laughs> to shoot in the dark and say, like, bemused hilarity. Like, I, I think that wow. I think that it's either bemused hilarity, like every time Lizzie Bennett makes fun of him in like acts one through three, like, hmm, is this flirting? <laughs> um, or it's like whenever Mrs. Bennett talks to him and he has to like Turn stare, <laughs> stare his eyes forward so that he doesn't kill himself by rolling them into his back of his head that mm-hmm. where he's like thank you for this honor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where's a window where's a window <laughs> on the same google search i did uh the giant statue of jeff goldblum also showed up mm. which is funny 
Weird. Have you guys seen that one? Mm-mm. No. It's his Jurassic Park pose where he's on the table. Oh, laying down. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So does that sway you at all? Like I I thought through the looming specter of the definitive Darcy versus the best performance in the miniseries um, and the most important character in the miniseries and landed on the former or landed on Lizzie. But what does that argument sway the two of you at all? I hear you. And I'm picking up what you're putting down because definitely it was the Darcy that got me addicted to this drug to begin with. But I think the older that I am and the more I've seen the series, the more I appreciate Lizzie. Mm -hmm. So I'm staying with Lizzie. What about you, Janine? I would say I'm sticking with Lizzie too. Also because, um, and and I don't know completely how to describe this, but it feels a bit like um, Colin Firth He's he's a supporting character, and like his job is to, uh, and in this role is to help Lizzie's story make more sense. And he just does such a good job of supporting her by being someone that you can fucking hate and love at the same time. Um, and yeah, he puts the work in, and he and like the nuance that he offers is intense. Mm-hmm. And for the people watching, he becomes a thirst trap, right? <laughs> um, but like Jennifer Ely, just like. The, there's just so much more weight to be thrown around there um, mm-hmm. that I don't think it's mm-hmm. I don't I don't think for what we get in the show I don't think it's a comparable experience. You know mm-hmm. I really like Darcy as a supporting character because on one level he is he, he will not be in pretty much any movie version we watch. Oh yeah. um, because that's just not like you're cutting the things that aren't Lizzie and Darcy when you're, when you're doing a movie version of Pride and Prejudice, you're cutting as much as possible. That's you're not cutting all Darcy. the intelligent, like commentary about yeah. class and money. Like yeah. you're still getting some Mr. Collins jokes in, but you mm-hmm. know, they're having a lot, there are a lot less quiet walks in the garden. Um, <laughs> but here, I mean, here he is sort of supporting. He is, a, he is absolutely the male lead. I'm sure when they were doing awards shit for this back in 1996, that they were campaigning Colin Firth for lead. I'm certain of it. Um, but he does play a supporting role in Lizzie's story in this adaptation in particular. I think that's a really great point. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I just, you don't file Mr. Darcy and supporting in your head, but. Well, do you want to put him in supporting that? No way. No. Okay. Uh, I think unfor- it's yeah. he still functions as a lead character, even though Great. his role is mostly support okay. to Lizzie, I yeah, think. Yeah. But I do agree with that. It's a smart idea. All right. So yeah. now pick your combatant. Choose your fighter. Um, non-Lizzie or Darcy category. Oh, fuck, I hate- and I've, this I've time already, we'll take turns. I've already picked mine, obviously. Okay. Well, so Janine, you, you're sticking with Mrs. Bennett? Stick with Mrs. Bennett as much as she annoys the shit out of me. That's kind of why she's on my vote. She's what about you, great, Julie? Great job. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you want to pick Mrs. Bennett, pick Mrs. Bennett. No, I'm thinking about Mrs. Bennett, and I'm thinking about. It, so we're just talking about the series, right? Mm-hmm. David Bamber, man. Yeah. Mr. Collins, he's his performance is legendary. I'm, so, and I, with all love to Allison, um, what was her last Stedman. name? Allison Stedman. Stedman for Mrs. Bennett, because it's also very, very, very good. But David Bamber's Mr. Collins is like a stratosphere all by itself. And it's 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 hard for me to say choose him as my fighter. Because I understand that he's more tertiary to the main 
thrust of the story, but that performance, if we're just talking about the series, his performance is enough for me to put him there. Hmm. You know, I, um, I think that I agree with you. Uh, I've been going back and forth um, between a couple of people, um, not Lady Catherine, because I, I think Lady Catherine is maybe if we were talking about the character, that would be my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and not the miniseries. Like if we were talking about all of Pride and Prejudice, maybe that would be my answer. Um, so I sort of dismissed her. Um, but I think Bingley is really important. And that in this case is really just good casting. Um, mm-hmm. but I think you have to really root for Bingley and Jane. Um, so both of them are really important. Um, I mentioned Lady Catherine, um, Mr. Bennett, Mrs. Bennett, really great. Lydia, really great. And it's really important that she be really great. Wickham, same. But I think I just got to do Mr. Collins. I, he's, it's such an important part. And what David Bamber manages to do is be like, like a, like a, like a sentient wet sock that's warm oh while also being just cruel right cruel um so he's funny he's very funny and satisfyingly loathable and those things matter a lot and his physical comedy is like god tier so good every time he dances i think about that like the little leap that he does at the very beginning all the time lives rent free um i just and this and and janine's favorite the stop yourself from talking i love that yeah it's so good he's so good i do that Um, in real life now but also like because who in the world would connect themselves with such a family right like cruel he is it would have been better if she had died yes that guy or like you mustn't make yourself uncomfortable elizabeth she likes to have rank preserved you know what i mean like just really cruel and i think there are other funny mr collinses um i think my my personal fave in that category is in the old ppz um but but there are some very good mr collinses out there but i think he strikes the best balance between being very funny and and and, and an asshole yeah like a total not butthole he doesn't deserve the word butthole Mrs. Bennett is a butthole. Mm-hmm. Mr. Collins no. is an asshole. Yeah, he's an asshole. He's Which a piece of the, shit. Of these two characters in this in this uh, miniseries, is that I feel like they are the two strongest examples of um, the world of of like what's keeping Lizzie down. Oh um, yeah. Where yeah. like there are other examples, uh, like you know, Mr. Bennett. Um, Charlotte, you know, these people who are like in Lizzie's world who obviously are playing into the, um, this kind of society that they the have. The system. To, yeah, the system that they have to deal with. But they are like, listen, we know it sucks and like you're not the, like we, 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 sh- we could do better is what you, you know, uh, unintended. But we could, could we be better? We could be better. <laughs> be better. Um, we could be, but we're not being. And so okay. we're close. But uh, Mrs. Bennett and Mr. Collins are like very clearly this is the system you exist in this system it fucking we not acknowledging that it sucks because it we have some degree of power in the system obviously it's different from mrs bennett than it is mr collins um or the way in which they kind of engage with it but yes i feel like maybe that's i was just thinking about that as you're talking about mr collins like these two characters represent um probably the biggest um 
system like villains? System challenges. Villains? System villains is system good. System villains. Mm. Yeah. System villains is good. Yeah. Wickham too, but he's because of the role, because of what he is. It's not as important. It's not as quote unquote systemic. It's yeah. not like I'm yeah. the man that's going to come in and take your family property for you versus I'm your mom who's obsessed with you getting married to a rich man. Yeah, Wickham's just a villain. Like, well, and he's taking advantage of the broken systems. Yeah, right? he is the mm-hmm. chaos. He's the like bad that gets in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, there are a lot of things that Austin abhors as an author, and she often plays with what is the balance between being sensible and practical and being greedy and selfish. Like, what, at what point does money stop being a thing you need to live and a, a blessing that can help you live comfortably and start being something that makes you unbearable? Yeah. Um, I mean, she plays with that a lot, um, among other things. So I, I, mm-hmm. I think that one of the things she argues against is any system that allows someone to fit or any force that allows or encourages someone to fail others. Right. And in this case, Wickham fails others, but more importantly, it's Mr. Bennett is failing others. And that is how Mrs. Bennett is failing others. Um, Colonel Foster is failing others, and that is how Wickham gets away with it. So he's like the walking consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the bra- you'll you'll get there eventually, Janine. There is a character you are going to just really enjoy hating in Sense and Sensibility, um, and the brother you know is pushed to fail by the yeah. corrupting influence of money, right? Like by all of these things, and so it's about how and why people fail each other. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Sorry, that went on way longer than I meant it to. Um, but it was but that's a good, such a good it, I, that's such a good observation, good Janine, that it just yeah. like pushed me, pushed me off a little cliff. And I have to talk some more about money. <laughs> see, see, Janine, book club is fun. Book club like is it. fun. Yeah, I'm like I like being critical about art, and not critical about other fucking mm. world strategy, economic shit. Like, well, it's that's nice because to, like, break apart from that in art, we mostly have retained the word critical as being attached to thinking and not as being negative. Mm-hmm. Usually True. if you're being critical of someone, it means that you're being negative, but really it just means you're thinking critically. Truth. Truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things I have to deal with my students when I'm like, Hey, so I don't really like Apple, but it's not because they're a bad company or anything. It's just, I'm critical of some of their things and here's some reasons why. And like, you know, you can disagree with me. Man, people fucking hate me when I say shit about that. Like, well, they love Apple. People love Apple, yeah. I gotta tell you. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So, and aside. I'm just gonna pet my laptop like it didn't hear what you said yeah, about me too. it. Love you. <laughs> Aaron's like, oh, don't worry about it. It hurt. You know what, Janine? Sometime you and I can do a Janine's Corner where we can have a, an Apple versus Windows debate if you want. Sure. Not a thing for the podcast, but I, I feel like I've arrived at a place... Have I talked about how I used to work for Apple on the pod? I'm not sure I ever have. Yes, I, have I? Yeah, okay. and I, I think I knew that. Okay. I remember that, um, but I feel like I've arrived at a place now where I've um, completed sufficient deprogramming <laughs> 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 to have like a really um, grounded view of what I think about the software and the hardware and the way it affects people and um, and what it says about tech in general and the view I that know, I thought was reasonable and was really just... Man, that'd be, a, that'd be a really fun conversation. We should do that. Janine's corner only. 
But okay. so that'll Into be a it. Patreon thing. But we'll do that sometime. Janine, yeah. some afternoon when you're like, I'm blurred, just text me. <laughs> And we'll hey, you it. want to record her Janine's Corner? About I mean, that's what happened on Friday issues. for our secret little bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Did you oh. end up... Fi- okay, no, we're talking about it. Did you end up finding that saga, Julie, in the slack? Or did it um, grow too large and out- outpace you? I, th- I'm, I have quit checking the slack quite as often because it's just gets... There's so many people having so many conversations and it's I don't know lot. where to look. Yeah, oh. It's amazing. This yes. was a thread that ended up having over 200 responses Oh, to over it. 300. Oh, my God. It, it started like this. Um, listener Danny, hi Danny, um, uh, slammed her finger in a car door. Oh, I did see that. Right. Okay. Oh, that just so kept going. Then it there was going. A, a little debate where a bunch of the slack um, moms and mommy figures, um, motherly figures, I like to think of them as stage managers, me being yes. among them, right? All the moms and stage managers of spirit. Um, showed up and were like can you move it like what happened do you need to go to a doctor um you better start answering your phone young lady like full this is not an exaggeration people were texting her because she just stopped responding um and at some point uh larissa hi hello to larissa um you know who's a doc jumped in and was like you listen to me right now here's what you're gonna do if you're not going to urgent care young lady and laid out the law (laughs) To which I said, Danny, listen to Larissa, or in 15 minutes, I will record a bonus episode of the podcast called Danny Get Your Finger Checked and put it on Patreon. (laughs) Now, uh, what's important to know here is that she did. um, Good. However, then she said, oh, man, I sort of wish I hadn't because I want to hear that episode. So at like 10 o'clock on Friday night, I texted Janine and we recorded a 10 minute episode of the podcast called Danny, Get Your Finger Checked. What did you guys just sing the words, Danny, Get Your do Finger you, Do you remember your song? Uh, Danny, check, Danny, Get Your Finger Checked. Something like that, right? It was Danny, that. Get Your Finger Checked. Finger checked. Get Your Finger Checked. And then we figured out Danny, that it was Smooth checked. Criminal. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. I was thought it was a prince middle, something. But yeah. Anyway, then, there is. It was a good one. For, there are, for those of you who are in the Slack. Maybe I'll maybe I'll put it on Patreon now as a little bonus and everybody can hear it. Why not? Well, okay. you know what? No, it's also interesting as a cultural artifact because what I interrupted Janine doing was watching Hamilton for the first time. <laughs> oh yeah. Mid yeah, Hamilton. Mid Hamilton. The Mid-ton. Revolutionary War had just ended as we started doing this. And I was like Dear Theodosia. Nope, we can't do this anymore. Oh well. Anyway, uh God damn. maybe I will. I'm gonna think about it. Anything else for the wrap up of PP? <laughs> Thank you for know. getting us back on track. Um, we've got so many PPs to go. We do. Well, I think I think maybe the reason I'm okay with with kind of leaving a bunch of things unsaid about this one is this is also my PP, and it's Janine's first. Well, I guess Janine's second PP, but like first enthusiastic PP. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we're just actually never going to be done talking about it because, like, <laughs> oh, Darcy, it'll always come back. It's the measuring stick, right? It's the reference. Yeah. yeah. For me, for sure, it template. will be the reference yeah. point. So we'll be talking about other... it for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Which is true. I will be. I mean, I will be watching this miniseries for the rest of my life. That's fair. You know, like yeah. maybe once a year. 
I'm never going to be mad if it's on. Never. I'm, and what's always going to happen is that I will be doing something else, but then it will pull me in, and all of a sudden I will find myself on yes. couch lock watching like three episodes in a row. It's, it's always the same with this. There are three things that if they show up on my television, I will not turn them off. I will watch them until they are done. One, BBC, AE, PP, Nemesis. Nemesis. Two, Speed. <laughs> three, A Muppet Christmas Carol, naturally. Naturally. <laughs> Those three things, never. I will never turn them off. You could get in the last five minutes of speed and I'd watch it through to the end. You like I, For me, it's silence of the lambs and over the top. Ooh, those are good. Those are good. Always watch them. I have to be in the right mood for silence of the lambs. Mm-hmm. Mine's over Moana. the top. I that's yours is that's Moana. Your yours is Moana. Moana. Oh. Moana is very good. Moana is I can very watch good. that. I'm gonna watch mm-hmm. that right now. Yay, Moana. <laughs> All right, well, then let's really quick do our little scales here, okay. um, which I realize we haven't been doing as scales. We've been picking, like, a thing, but that's fine. It's evolving. All right, so first, let's do Aspen Factor, your Aspen Factor of the miniseries as a whole, your biggest shade moment. Shade is different than in- direct insult, so I have to remind myself of that sometimes mm-hmm. because the direct insult would be Lady Catherine's fight with Lizzie. Well, but but, but shade really can also—I mean, it can be like it can be a really dark shadow. You know what I mean? Like it is—it is definitely throwing shade to say like, "Oh, you want to read? I'll read you. You're ugly." Yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> but that's not really good. That's not—it's not, it's not th- good, but it's—it's it's not good shade. Yeah. Um, I, it's going to have to have something to do with, uh, Caroline Bingley, but just her character, because her entire, the thing that she's been taught her way into womanhood, the way that she thinks is going to get, achieve her goals is through verbal manipulation. Hmm. And so I think she is, uh, uh, very good. At shade, mm-hmm. and if I had to pick a specific moment that I think really like drove it home to me this time, that it, once again it's another one of those things that I didn't pick up on the first few times I watched this miniseries, mm-hmm. is when she says, "I hear that the militia has left Meriton. That must be such as uh, such a sad time for your family." That shit is like ice cold, because that's just her talking about. All your daughters like to fuck, and they're fucking all those soldiers all the time, you mm-hmm. fucking sluts. That's exactly what that yeah. is. Yeah. And it's so cold. Yeah. <laughs> and the way she drops it, it's always in polite society when they're like, some people are over there playing whist, someone's at the piano forte, and Caroline Bingley's over here dropping shade bombs. <laughs> it's, so, you know, it's, it is I give it the Regency equivalent of somebody saying, like, um, so tell me about your life being a slut, right? <laughs> like it's when someone is like, oh, I, you know, I've been meaning to ask you, what was it like growing up with that face? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it's subtle to us and not subtle to them. Right. Yeah. That's a really good one. What about you, Janine? What's your, what's your shadiest shade? I don't know. It's hard for me to pick because um, I feel like the shade is just... It, it's just a bound mm-hmm. in all of mm-hmm. this. And so I'd like to use a uh, film to talk about how I feel the shade exists. Uh, Sunshine, it. the 2007 uh, science fiction film where there's a group of scientists going to the sun and they are traveling 
in a spaceship that essentially just makes a bunch of shade behind <laughs> the front the front so shield. they're trapped they're trapped in a shade machine they're much trapped. like our characters in pride and prejudice yep yep oh. that is how i view this you know what uh, that goes amazing. in the hall of fame with ken burns baseball as being like the best responses to a scale that's perfect, Aaron. Trapped, trapped in a shade machine. Just trapped amazing. in a shade machine. That's, uh, that's basically what this is. I'm gonna go with mm-hmm. the with the two days there. I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> two days back. I'm going with that. That's yeah. Mr. Mr. Collins, Collins only ever did one thing right in his whole life, and it was deliver <laughs> that burn, and then get in the carriage and head back to Rosings. The only thing that would have been better is if he had showed up and said, "You know, like for who would connect themselves with such a family." Good day at last. <laughs> That's the only thing that could have made it better is if he had not been asked to leave. If he mm-hmm. had kept it brief. Like mm-hmm. if he had shown up, looked at Lizzie and said, I just wanted to say bullet dodged and bowed and got in the carriage and went away. Oh, wow. And oh, traveled right. two days yes. there and two days back just to do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> like if he had he shown up job, and though. gone, whoo, close call, and then gotten back in the carriage <laughs> and gone all the way back. And Charlotte would just be in the carriage being like, oh, I'm sorry. I tried sorry, to stop I'm, him. I'm I tried just, to stop him. I've been talking to him for two days in the carriage just, trying to get him you know, to stop. You, you don't, and you know what it was like to have, for me to have to spend so much time with this guy. I really tried to stop him. Very bad. Okay. So what about um, what about your, your costume pick? What's, what's your mm. best costume? Oh, you know what? Let's leave this. Janine, you pick a best costume. Julie and I will... Save yeah. it for the costume We'll episode. have already talked... Discussed it. Yes. Yes. You know, you guys' conversation was very enlightening and, um, you know, gave me a lot to think about and it really influenced my choice. No, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to call forward this. Call back? Fuck it. Um, I think, God, I don't know, man. The jackets that uh, Darcy and Bingley wore often, just, there wasn't a bad one. There were less good ones. But most of those jackets I just fucking enjoy. I just adored. Mm-hmm. Um, his blue, green, his green jacket is the one that really sent it over the edge for me. I just really like the way they use the color, like mm-hmm. colors and like how it was so complimentary on everybody's skin tones and just highlights. The fact that Jennifer Ely can pull off that fucking god awful saffron, like fucking hey man, good job, mm-hmm. everybody, just beautiful. But yeah, the coats uh, and Darcy's. Green coat is wait, what really wait, wait. Got me. Are you telling me that your choice is those coats? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of good salt bay right Great. there. That was good. All right. Uh, who is your who is your golden butthole? Who's the best butthole of the BBC AEPP? Mrs. Bennett. Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett. Just a fucking butthole. Mrs. Bennett. Yeah, I was gonna say Mr. Collins, but no. You're right, Mrs. Bennett. Agreed. We we are unanimous. Um, Panflex, what's your what's your hottest moment? I think it's got to be. I mean, obviously, I love the lake scene, duh. But that's not that's not like engaged hot. Like when they when they're talking to each other or looking at each other, that's a different kind of hot than just looking at Colin Firth wet coming out of a lake, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, hand flex kind of intimates that there's a connection somehow. So I'm going to leave the lake scene out of it in my permanent spank bank. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but I will say uh, for hand flex, the way I see it, it's got to be 
after he proposed the first time and she turned him down so hard and then he went back and started thinking about himself and how she might be right and what he might need to fix and then he decides that she he respects her and she's right and he needs to work on it and then he comes back and starts engaging with her again so it's probably the first time at the piano after they're friends again Mm -hmm. where he's just watching her play piano that to me because he went through some work to come back to her and so i think that there's more depth to that to his hilarious kind of weirdly creepy guy stare that he was doing at the beginning now that stare is suffused with admiration like true admiration and respect Mm -hmm. and i think that's really hot it's really hot what about you janine uh that same same thing that same scene and the where she's playing piano and like the turning the pages turning the pages and like that moment where uh uh miss bingley was throwing some shade she didn't realize was shade about wickham uh and like um Ooh, oh she knew it was shade she just thought it was aimed in lizzie's direction and didn't yeah, she, realize it, it was aimed she didn't direction. realize it was a fucking grenade a shade no. yeah. right <laughs> a shade grenade shade grenade shade grenade oh my god what a gift what a gift never again say that 2020 didn't give us anything shade grenade it's up there. Oh my God, you guys, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is the point where we become superstars. <laughs> From here on out, nothing but net, baby. <laughs> Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Oh boy. Shane Grenade. <laughs> oh my God, we're, we're going to sell the t shirt. We're going to sell so much of that t shirt. Oh my God. Shane Grenade. Oh. Oh my yeah. god, that's that so much moment. better than Golden Butthole. Who is the Shade Grenade? <laughs> well, Shade Grenade is yeah, well, the I, Aspen Factor. Aspen uh, Factor. Okay. Oh, anyway, it, you, there's only one way to reduce the Aspen Factor. Shade Grenade. You gotta throw in a Shade Grenade. <laughs> we can blow those trees up. No <laughs> Splint- more shade. Splinters everywhere. There was so much shade in this grenade that it has rendered all other shade just dirt. <laughs> There's no more you know shade what? because there was too much shade. It's like the saying goes, the shade grenade stays mostly in the glade. Oh, my God. Oh, oh boy. Anyway, so I agree with Julie. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Shade grenade. Julie, I think we're getting all about eve by Janine. <laughs> You're right. We are. It was just, we, we should never have given him that microphone. Don't go near him and stares. I fucking told you. Don't give me this microphone. <laughs> oh. oh, This is the Always point. follow him upstairs, okay? <laughs> never let no. him be behind you on the stairs. Can keep an eye out for marbles. <laughs> yeah, and always, definitely always follow him downstairs. And always, always check for poisons. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your hand flex? oh god uh, uh sometime we should do janine have you ever seen all about eve no that's another no, janine's that's corner we're gonna do we're gonna okay. we're gonna watch all about eve it's maybe my favorite movie. movie it's so good it might it's be so my good. favorite movie um okay i'm gonna change it up a little bit because that scene is great and that is the correct answer but the like true in my heart answer is shortly before that and it's after pond 
It's very specific. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's hot. Also, again, like I'm going to back it up on my external hard drive, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I definitely, definitely am going to make sure that that's saved on the cloud. Um, mm-hmm. I just two factor authentication. I just have to make sure. <laughs> anyway. Um, Additional power supply. But the scene <laughs> that I think has the most um, sort of like hand flexiness, I guess is when he comes back after he's changed his clothes and his hair is still wet. Oh, yeah. The and, quick change. And he oh, yeah. asks to be introduced to her aunt and uncle. He runs, very pleasantly asks to be introduced to her aunt and uncle, asks for her approval of Pemberley, takes the trout. It's the trout fishing. That is hot. It's the, it's the trout stream that really does it. And then, and then he takes her hand and lifts her into the carriage and says, like, I hope to see you very soon. And there's this little catch oh. in his voice when he says it. Oh, God. I got it. I got oh, yeah. That's good. I like speaking yeah. of permanent spank bank, Lizzie Bennett. That's file number one. It's file number first, it's time, the very first, first time you ever touched me. It's the, first time you ever touched yeah, me. That's it. Well, no, because they dance together. But oh, that's. But funny. you know what? That's in there too. That when they're mad at each other and they're dancing. Think every once in a while. Picture it. The place Pemberley. The time two o'clock in the morning. The conversation. Do you remember that one time that we danced together and we hated each other so much? And by that, I mean, I hated you and you hated that you wanted me. Um, And then we danced and argued. That was really hot. Fuck me. Let's do that again right (laughs) now. Let's do that right now. Right. Because, man, ooh, that's in there, too. Spotify, (laughs) tune up a minuet. Let's get on this, Charles. No, be more sparkly. <laughs> okay, so let's see. We did Sweet. hand flex. We did Aspen. We talked about costumes. Um, we did our golden butthole. We did our MVP. We did our supported character debate. So I, how often? I think we're good. Let me ask you this. This is the version of the final question that's going to work. This might be the best version of this question. Say you decide to watch all six hours of this at once. Mm-hmm. But no pauses. At all. This train just keeps my right on moving. When do you get up to go to the bathroom? Not a beer, because you can keep the TV in sight with a beer. You have to go into a different room and close the door. When, in these six episodes, do you get up and go to the bathroom? I don't live with people, and I have a mirror near my bathroom. I can kind of (laughs) keep making it happen. Nice. Nice. Um, I... Probably episode three or four. Yeah. Pre-proposal? So somewhere pre-proposal. Yes. After, maybe after Mr. Collins' first big hurrah when he comes to Longbourn. Okay. So episode three would be my guess. That's two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Beginning of episode three. Whist, Mr. Collins. Whist. Is that when you're thinking? Uh, Sort of. Just whenever he's gone. Okay. Like he comes and he establishes himself as a character and then he disappears. Oh, that is episode three. So between that and the proposal, I would say. So episode three, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess episode three. Because too. the proposal is episode three. The very end of episode three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'd I'd, is it, I'd make is it, it through I I might do it in four too. Not because anything mm-hmm. was slow in four. It's just because after that proposal I'd be like I'd need to take a walk around the room, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a turn about the room. Ooh, yeah. Room, yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta, you gotta wait until you, you've got some energy <laughs> that you need to burn off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so probably post proposal. Mm-hmm. So, like, 
You know what? You know when I would you know when I would take a bathroom break? When Lydia buys everybody lunch and by buys I mean borrows the money from Elizabeth <laughs> to buy everyone lunch. That's when she doesn't deserve my attention. That's when I pee. All right. Uh, yeah, that's episode 5, right? That one? That one? That scene? No, that's f- that's 4. That's, that's the beginning four. of 4. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to do it for this week and for PBBBC a nemesis as a whole, at least for now. I'm sure we'll be back talking about the great Darcy off and things, but for now, that's going to be it for this one. Thanks to everyone who came on the show to talk about this gem of a miniseries with us. So Jen, Emma, Scotty, Keenan, thank you. Thanks to everyone who watched along with us on Crowdcast, which is a Patreon perk. You can find us on Patreon, where you can support the show and get early access to episodes, bonus episodes, access to our Slack channel and the Crowdcasts and more at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast. Thanks to all our patrons. We couldn't do the show without you, but we especially want to thank the following folks. Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Kelsey Kemp, Madison Johnson, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Teagason, Tina Barnett, the other Janine, Kristen, Alicia Glynn, Liz and Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Zena Perez, Chrissy Shively, Denise Perkins, Kayla Reagan, Rachel Lazan, Rochelle Lefevre, Amanda Smizazazazaza, Heather Robbins, Sweet Sassy Molassi, Brittany Holbert, Emily Carlson, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Kelly Mazella, Maria Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Philip Nako, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, a.k.a. Laura, Mary Lumpkin, Jenna Bukowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Katie Kirshner, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCrary, Jen Lender-Drunklin, Kelly Bodden, Amanda Newton, and Kiki the Wise. Uh, we couldn't do it without you folks, so thank you so much for that. Outside Patreon, you can find us on Twitter at PodLenderCast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PodLenderCast, and on TikTok, which we aren't really using yet, but hey, it's there, at PodLenderCast. Oh, and on Instagram at Allison Shoe, and on Letterboxd, sort of. We're trying, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back next week when we talk about the 1940 film adaptation of PP, starring Laurence Olivier and Greer Garson. Bye. Bye. Bye.